Hi guys, welcome to episode 9 of the Manly Fat Podcast. We are moving away today from the football and we are doing more Manly Fat stuff. We're going to be talking about nutrition and food. I have with me, as ever, Roman. Hello, Stuart. We'll call How are you? you this what? week producer extraordinaire. <laughs> so yeah, my name does change every week, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, brother from another mother. That's it. Uh, how are you doing? Alright? I'm alright. I'm currently um, currently doing summer camp at the moment uh, for Ukrainian Youth Association. So um, I'm doing a lot of uh, I'm actually doing a lot of health stuff with the kids this week just to make sure that they're, um, they're uh, looking after themselves. They did exercises this morning with them. So yeah, it's uh, alright. It's all good. We have travelled today down to the Midlands again. Yeah. Always in the Midlands, aren't we? Yeah, it seems to be the epicentre somewhere. Yeah, maybe. the epicentre of the world, maybe. I think so. We're at the Fort Shopping Centre in Birmingham, Costa Coffee. We are here with Nadine Taylor. How are you, Nadine? I'm very well. You are a uh, nutritionist? Yeah, so nutritionist, chef, just foodie, everything really. So. Everything? Yeah. And you work for, you write recipes for Mammy Fat? Yeah, I do, yeah. Uh, then recipes we can find on the Mammy Fat site. And we're just going to have a little chat today about... You, food, nutrition. This is the hardest thing for us because we're talking about food, and as soon as we finish the podcast, it's like, right, I want some food. <laughs> I want some sweet, <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah, I think we might, I might be having a stop on the way back. I think so. After I drop you off back at camp. <laughs> Indeed. So, Nadine, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you became into doing this, uh, into the food, getting into it, how you end up working for Man Fat. Yeah, so I suppose I've always been a foodie, um, but I've always had a particular interest in, in the nutrition side and in the health side of things, so how food affects your body, that type of thing. Um, a couple of years ago, I decided to go back to uni and retrain to be a proper nutritionist, shall we say, for want of a better word. Um, and then my, um, my son and my brother got involved with Man V Fat uh, on one of the teams in Solihull and through them I sort of uh, started cooking for a few of the guys and then from there I went on to write recipes for Man V Fat and here I am today. So. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so talk me through the process of how you, you would come to um, write a recipe for Man V Fat. Yeah, so when, when I'm looking, I'm constantly looking for ideas, constantly looking at what's going on and looking at sort of what men like to eat and especially what men who, obviously, who come to Man V Fat like food. Um, so I'm looking at sort of the traditional sort of, maybe like the takeaway things, the go-to stuff, but then putting a more healthy spin on it. So perhaps, um, yeah, just making it more, still good food, but... Um, yeah, just a bit healthier, so just, and just flavours. Flavours is really important. So. Do you find you get quite a good reaction to people um, message you on the site and comment on, on your recipes and say, "Oh, I made it. It was really good." It yeah, good yeah, all the time. And I always try it out on friends and family. They're always the guinea pigs first, and they go, "Oh, it needs a bit more of this or a bit more of that or not. Oh, it's a bit spicy or it's not spicy enough." So I'm always trying it out. But yeah, the the. Um, I think when people have the original, sometimes when they compare the sort of healthier version, they sort of they might think that, that it's lacking something. But then because you change the flavour combinations in it, it, it works. So you're not missing out on anything really. So, well, so it's, it's it's taking a, a recipe that exists. Let's say uh, chicken chow mein, yeah. something like that. Well, like the doner kebab, I did on the Man V Fat uh, website. There's a recipe for the doner kebab, and obviously people would ordinarily think of a doner kebab as being really unhealthy. Something you you shouldn't eat. You should stay away from if you're trying to be healthier and watch your weight, maybe. So it just goes to show that you can have those kind of things and still, 
you know, it, it fits in with the healthier diet. So how would you go about taking a recipe like that and reducing, uh, let's say, the calories or the fat or, or something yeah, like so that? Yeah, so you're looking at it in its first instance and saying, what, like, where, well, where's it gone wrong? And obviously we know that protein is a really good you know, really good for people, um, especially men. Men like protein, and especially if they're keeping fit, and it fills you up. So we're looking at that as the main source, and then and then perhaps reducing the saturated fat, that type of thing, increasing the flavour combination. So putting more herbs and spices into to give it a bit more of a, a flavour, and and, and um, like a. a if we use the donna kebab as an example, it usually comes in a pita bread, so we're changing it to maybe a wholemeal wrap, that type of thing. So you're not completely missing out, and you're still getting that sensation. But. And filling it full of nice yeah. vegetables and salads. Yeah, and, and chilies and things like that. So yeah. yeah, good, good. So you talked about obviously always being a foodie, and, and um, obviously being introduced to man be fat through your brother and your son playing in it. How was it a change in you from from the way you used to eat to the to the way you eat now, or have you always at this way? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, you know, a, a, along with my son, we've we've all been on a on a weight loss journey throughout life, um, and sort of changing the way that we do things. And and so I suppose when when Man V Fat came along, it made you sort of made me look at my own way of eating and what I was doing. And and there's nothing worse for me than a sort of that word diet. And being on a diet and sort of it just I think it's soul destroying because I don't know about you but I never ever ever crave lettuce I never think to myself oh I could murder a piece of lettuce sort of thing. it just doesn't work <laughs> yeah for I, don't, me. I don't think I've ever ever said that no ever. never I don't well I challenge anybody yeah that's it so you know for me being a foodie being someone who loves food loves to cook loves to be in the kitchen loves creating stuff it's like well I still want to do that but I want it to be healthier I want it to be you know better for my long-term health because you know all over the news now there's all about health and obesity and that type of thing so we just want it to be just touching on that from, from a point of view obviously from your studies um, where do you it's, it's a difficult one where do you think as a nation or as a society we, we went wrong and we started becoming unhealthy or poor yeah. increasing if you look back over generations and this you know this is just sort of what I've seen and what I've looked at when I've been doing studies if we go right back to the war the wartime diet was considered one of the most healthiest diets that you could have obviously they had rationing but it was very much everything was portion controlled and then as that sort of developed if we fast forward to the 80s in the 80s Mums started going to work more, so the kids were left at home. TV dinners were introduced, microwaves were introduced, that type of thing. So kid, the generation of the 80s were sort of the ones that were left at home in front of the TV eating a microwave dinner. And so I think from the, you know, if we look at sort of the 80s as, as where it started, you know, if you think before that, you didn't really see many people who perhaps had an issue with their weight and their health, that sort of thing, but since then, it's sort of fast-forwarding, and now it's got to a point where people are going, perhaps we really need to do something about this, you know, all these things that we put in place for ease, convenience, speed, that type of thing, perhaps we now need to re-look at that and do something. I think convenience definitely plays a part in Yeah. Uh, I can remember, I was, I'm an exit child, and I can remember, basically, microwave meals a lot uh, yeah but it was exciting as well yeah. wasn't it because you because nobody had it before so you know to to think that you could put put a meal in the microwave you know they used to do those um 
ones that you've added hot water to and you'd think, oh, this is the best thing ever because you, you didn't have those type of things. Now you look at them and you go, well, what's in that that makes it so quick to cook and so easy to use? Yeah. I remember looking at microchips and just thinking, oh, mum, get some microchips. I want them because I don't know why because I saw them as a novelty yeah. just to cook them. Yeah. And it was a little snack. Oh, microchips. Yeah. And that little flap. And I think from that, you know, from that, that convenience side of things back then, now people have perhaps got to the point where they don't even realise what they're doing, they don't even look at it, they just take it for granted. They'll go into a shop, pick something up, put it in their mouth without actually looking at what they're eating. And I think that's where, you know, that's the next step is like actually getting people to understand, which I think is happening. I think people are more interested in the nutrition of things but now looking at where we're going what we're doing what we're putting in our mouth you wouldn't put diesel in a petrol car so why would you put the wrong food in your body to fuel your body sort of thing so where do you think um the food industry plays its part in, in making that change i mean do you think they're up to the, do you think that they're that the food industry is making a change do you think they're just concerned about the profits do you uh, think I think they're trying to make changes, but I do think ultimately it comes down to the bottom dollar, how much money they're making. Um, I think that consumers are now pushing more for healthier options, you know, people want to be, uh, people are more mindful of, of what they're eating, so that, that I suppose the consumer is driving what, what people are asking for, you know, the, the reduction in sugar, this sugar tax now that's gone on things. Um, obviously, you're going to get the rebels who say, oh, I don't want it, I'm, you know, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do, and that's entirely up to them. But I think there is a drive now to be healthier, whether it's what the uh, producers and the manufacturers want, or whether it, but I think it's a lot consumer-led now. Yeah, I definitely think there's been, I mean, it's difficult for me because I think maybe, I think it might be my attitude has changed. But I, I also think that as a nation, I think our attitudes are definitely changing towards food and we do look at um, healthier things now. Uh, I think if you look at somewhere like uh, McDonald's and, and the way that they've attempted to change their menu over maybe the last five years to try and give people other options. Yeah, yeah. Not always the healthiest, sometimes it's very misleading. Yeah, but even that, I think to myself, you know, if you look at McDonald's and they've introduced the fruit bags and they're, you know, and for the kids they're sort of saying have a fruit bag or some carrot sticks instead. If you go into McDonald's, are you going for carrot sticks and fruit bags sort of thing? You know, is it that we need to look at the sort of the, the main product and sort of trying to make that a bit more... Because you can, you can make a burger healthier, more appealing. You don't have... It doesn't have to be... And I know that, you know, people... A lot of the big companies drive to sort of say, oh, it's 100% meat or it's got no added sugar or no added salt or... Or that type of thing, but um, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And, and who do you think, like you say, consumers are obviously driving what they want? What, what part do you think the government plays in this? I mean, obviously, you talked about the sugar tax and how um, that would hopefully help the, uh, the drinks industry, particularly. Um, obviously, there's Jamie Oliver and the, and the, the yeah. school dinners. How do you, what, what part do you see the government playing moving forward in helping people to eat healthy and make better choices? Yeah, I mean, I think the government are constantly trying, you know, along with the NHS and that type of thing, they're constantly putting in things, um, putting things in place to, to make suggestions of how to improve your health. And I think if we look at sort of um, 
you know, very briefly, if we look at obesity, and that seems to be the main problem around food and nutrition, and sort of the health implications of that, if you don't, you know, if, you, if people continue to be obese, ultimately, there's a, the, you know, heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, those type of things come hand in hand with it. And I think at the moment people say, yes, obesity is a, pro a crisis, but they're not perhaps looking at the health side of things more. So I think that the government perhaps need to, without sort of ramming it down your neck and making you feel like you can't eat anything and you can't do anything, but, you know, emphasising the importance of why we need to tackle it because they're telling us we need to tackle it but they're not really i don't think the message is getting through as to saying why we need to tackle it and yeah i think i think also the media's got its part to play in that a big part yeah um you get conflicting information all the time you see it in the paper you see it on websites you know one week Red wine is bad for you. Yeah. Next week, red wine is good for you, and it's a part of a great Mediterranean diet. Yeah, well, do you know that's one of the main reasons that I actually went to uni because I because I was const I was always reading all these posts to say, you know, drink red wine because it's going to be good for you, and then next week red wine's going to kill you. Um, and I thought I just want to go and get actual facts here. I want to go and sort of you know sieve it all out and, and look at what's going on. And I think you know, good old Facebook, Instagram. You look on there, and it's like you know, eat. The cabbage soup diet, and you'll lose ten pound in a week, and and people look at it and think, well, that's the solution, sort of thing. And so the media is a huge part of, of what we do. Um, yeah, yeah. We wish, we wish definitely. We talk about this all the time. It's laughable. It really is. Send us your articles. Have you seen this? And <laughs> yeah. this is bad for you. And eggs is bad for you. Well, yeah. eggs are really good for you. Yeah. It just is conflicting information all the time. Yeah. And I think they know that. I think they know it's conflicting information all the time. But but, but the problem is as well is because there's nobody really governing it because that because anybody can post social media. So you know I could put something on social media today to say one thing. And, and people will go, oh, you know, well, that must be true then, because that's what she's put. You know, and especially if people have got lots of followers and things like that, you know, the, the bigger these people... I know if we look at some of, like, the health um, people on Instagram, you, you know, um, the, the ones with hundreds of thousands of followers, if they say things, they influence what people do, and they... Um, you know, and that can be dangerous, really, because I think it needs to be balanced, and it needs to... There isn't a, there isn't a, a, a quick fix sort of thing there yeah. isn't a quick fix you can't just eat this and it's going to solve the problem it's not yeah i think that that's the, the thing with convenience as well and, and, the, and how uh, the 80s convenience food really affected us i think that as well people are looking again what's the most convenient thing mm. that i can do to lose weight yeah and i think like now if we look at sort of you know most a lot of people when it comes to their evening meal if you've been at work all day you've got kids you come home you just want something quick so you know you don't even have to move off your sofa now to get a meal brought to your door and nine times out of ten that meal that's brought to your door perhaps isn't the healthiest so you know again is that an area that perhaps needs to be looked at in the sense of you know people want this service they want it delivered to their door why can't we just make it? Why can't we just make a healthier service? You know, still offer the, the Chinese, the Indian, the pizza, that, that type of thing that people go to. But just make it, you know, just make it a bit healthier, reduce the fat in things, reduce the sugar, reduce the salt, but still, you know, because I think, well, cause I, th I believe that people would eat it. And, you know, from the little bit that I did with, with some of the man V fat guys, I mean, it went. It went mad, sort of thing. People were coming to me all the time saying, oh, yeah, I want you to provide these meals for me and stuff. And, you know, so there, there is a market for it. And I think there's definitely a market. It's something that I've, uh, from a personal point of view, I, I, I maybe 
I don't know, two years ago, was very, very interested in opening a, a kind of healthy takeaway. It never mm. happened. Couldn't get the funding. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's something that, that I think it's happening slowly. Uh, I know Manchester's got a really good few healthier takeaways. Um, yeah. Kettlebell Kitchen up there doing really well. They're opening sites all over Greater Manchester. Yeah. And they provide delivery. Uh, and all kinds of different uh, different nutrition. So if you want to reduce calories, it's there. And if you want to build muscle, yeah. there's extra protein. I think it is. It is happening. There's, there's one just opened in Birmingham, actually, not far from where we are today. Um, and, and they're sort of selling, not so much from a health point of view, but more just a home-cooked, nutritious meal sort of thing as opposed to junk. Yeah, yeah. It's like you say, it's very easy just to pick up the, the phone. You don't even have to talk to anybody. No. Order a pizza. You don't need money. You don't need to talk to anybody. You can just do it on your phone, off your card. So. And I think a lot of men, particularly single men, yeah. that's what they do. They get in, they've probably had a hard day at work, and you think, I'll just go on, you know, just eat yeah, and yeah. order what I want. Yeah, that's it. They kid themselves that you go on the app, and you go, oh, I'll just have a chicken kebab. And then obviously they see that to get free delivery, you've got to order over this. Yeah. So then it's like, so oh, I'll like, order some chips, yeah. but I won't eat the chips. Yeah. And I'll order something else, but I won't eat that. But then you do. Yeah, that's it, because it's coming. You don't want to waste it, so you so you end up eating it. Exactly. Uh, Justifying it to yourself. Yeah. Have been there? you been there, Rob? Many. That's uh, bit, that, that was my biggest feat. It was, that was what, yeah, still do it now. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's the thing as well, is that, you know, with, with diet and nutrition and food, that that you have to enjoy what you're doing and I think if you if you restrict yourself too much you're going to fall off the wagon so you know a little bit what you fancy does you good but it's it's just remembering to then get back to where you want to go to, you know to, to to try and eat healthy but don't don't starve yourself don't not go out and enjoy yourself go out and have fun enjoy yourself have what you want to eat but then get back on it you know yeah I think that balance is really important mm. um, I think man v fat particularly as as a We'll call it a program. As a program, is is um, it's very keen that it's, it's not all or nothing. It is trying to find a balance, do it all the time. I know the book particularly, you know, doesn't preach about any particular diet. It gives you a good um, cross section of, of, of different diets that are out there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think what people tend to do again is, like you say, it's all or nothing, isn't it? They're either on or they're off. And yeah, yeah, that's from, it. From a personal point of view, that, that was me for many years. I was yeah. eating really strict, really healthy. That's or it. Or I was binging on all kinds of rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, a, a guy that I know, I, I said to him a couple of weeks ago, I said, Do you want me to cook you some food this week? I'll bring it round. No, I'm on the porridge diet this week. <laughs> I was like, So what, what are you eating? I'm just eating porridge three times a day. But I lost £10 in a week. Well, that's marvellous that you lost £10. But as soon as you stop doing that, you're going to put on £12 sort of thing. So it, it doesn't work. It's yeah. not the right way. Let me cook you something. Let me do you something to eat. No, no, I'm doing this porridge diet. And that, that's what you're up against a lot of the time as well. You know, people believe that because they get these short-term, you know, wins, if you like, that, that they think that that's the way to go. But you end up sort of worse off. Yeah. You know. I think the majority of people end up worse off of them. Yeah. I've, I've done everything. I've done, um, you know, shakes, Cambridge, terrible, awful. <laughs> One of the darkest times of my life <laughs> doing that diet for like a month. Yeah. It just felt awful. And yeah. it, but you know what? The weight dropped off me. I was like, it's basically a month I was like over the stone. Yeah. But I probably put two stone back yeah. off as soon as I come off it. Mm. And I know, um, 
people I know who've done it are pretty much the same. Well, my, uh, well, my dad sort of makes me laugh because he says, he says, you people who are trying to lose weight make me laugh. He says, because every January you join this slimming club and he says, and you lose this weight, and then the following January you join again, and you're half a stone heavier than what you was the following January. So, so something, something's going wrong there. And you think about, it, you think actually you've got a point. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it, a lot of these again, because you know, if we think about it, like a lot of the diet clubs, I know their intentions are good, but ultimately they're a business to make money as well. So you know, you have to take that into consideration. A lot of the, the bigger clubs have got products that they're selling alongside and that type of thing. So. Yeah, that that always rings alarm bells for me. I know, and you know, and don't get me wrong. There's some great recipes from, mm. uh, you know, you know, well, maybe from Slimming World yeah. and Welsh. There's some really nice recipes, there. Mm. and uh, you know, as a plant Slimming World, it does work. Mm. Um, but it's when they're trying to sell you bars and, and all this kind of stuff and ready meals. I always think, well, that's surely that's what we're trying to get away from. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, I've looked at the idea of possibly that sort of scenario that the. the, the um, a, a group environment but sort of perhaps with a cooking session alongside it so showing people that you can't that essentially the time it takes you to go on just eat look through the menu order the menu the food to be delivered that you could have cooked yourself something nutritious healthy and as enjoyable if not more um, in less time and, and you know and I think that that type of thing is somewhere that yeah, could be looked definitely. at you know I, th I think you do have a point there because it's like you look at children now growing up and some of them can't even cook they're not a cooker is and like you show them the raw ingredient it's like what's that yeah it's like it's, it's a tomato yeah um, and just the education value of that is um, you, you need to install it in them because you've got um, like you say the ready meals and surplus of ready meals and people just going hand in hand at it and when I was in America there was a, there was a, a food thing called uh, blue ribbon and it was basically you'd get sent the ingredients and say here's your meal plans get sent the ingredients you would then cook that meal that's like gusto yeah custom. yeah there's a lot of them now isn't it hello fresh I, I think that's a wonderful idea because you, you it's cracking on your portion control healthy food but also it's, it's still making you making cook. you do it yeah rather as opposed to just oh here's a red meal lasagna i'm that yeah but what's in it you don't know what's in it you know Oh, it's a lasagna, but because it's got like the brand name of, of a you know um, diet program on it, you forget that it could have hydrogenated fats in and all this business. But when you've got your fresh ingredients in front of you, what's what else is in that? Well, nothing. It's fresh. But don't you think as well, though, there's something to be done with the education side of things? Because if you give, if you perhaps give, um, you know, a, a, if I think about what I cook, I'll put celery carrot and onion in a lot of the sauces that I do. If you get if you sat down and put celery, carrot and onion in front of some people they go, I don't like celery. But yet if they brought that meal from the shop and it had celery in, they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't sort of even question it. But if you put it down in front of them they go, I don't like it. If you go to any decent Italian restaurant and order a spaghetti bolognese, that's the base. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. it. You know <laughs> When I, when uh, me and my wife first got together and I, and I was cooking for her, I remember that she was like, I'll make a spag, I'll make a spag ball, I'll make a spag ball. And she made it and it was basically mince and sauce. Mm. And I was like, it's not a spag ball. This is, this is the base of a spag yeah, ball. Yeah. And she was like, I don't like celery and I don't want carrots in my spag ball. Yeah. And now when she makes it, she always puts 
Because what people don't realise is that's the building blocks of the flavour which gives you that sensation, which makes you feel like you've enjoyed your meal. If you're literally just putting the very, if you put in what you consider that you like in there, you're missing out on that depth of flavour. And, and again, it, you know, I think that's where the education, like you said about the teaching kids and things. And, and I wish more people would watch Saturday Kitchen than Love Island, let me tell you. <laughs> Bit more of an education. Oh, I think there's, I think there's, there's a there's a hole there as well. I, I know um, that there's certain companies that that will go from school to school and they and they they go in like like a bus, basically a bus, and the kids come on and they learn about different things. I know sex education is a big thing, and there's companies that go around and they'll teach sex education, and the kids come on. And why isn't there somebody with a bus with a kitchen on it? going around teaching well, kids how if to you cook. Look at, but if you look at school again now, you know, a lot of them home economics classes where you used to go in and cook, they don't exist anymore. They just don't exist. Or that what they do do is really basic, yeah. you know, cheese on toast or something. And you go, that's not really cooking yeah. a meal, is it cheese on toast? Well, no, if you're going to do Welsh rabbit, well, that's... Well, that's you know, that's well, a different that's matter. Level, <laughs> <laughs> that's just showing off. That's, that's, that's really true because I work with, with kids and, and when the kids... Uh, it's a home to school service so when the kids come on the bus and they and they bring the cooking what they what they've made that day and it's always cakes and yeah pies yeah. and and stuff like that yeah Whereas I, when I, because you know, I've worked a bit with um, kids and I make butter with them and things like that. I go, well, how do you think you make butter? Well, I don't know. Sort of thing. And so we make, we make butter and they go, that's amazing. I didn't know, I didn't even know that. That was a thing. And we make pasta and stuff and we show, you know, showing people how, how, you know, this is, this product that you buy in the bag from the supermarket, this is what it came from. This is what it looked like. And it's much more fun. You get flour everywhere. You have a laugh with it. Sing Italian songs, do whatever, you know. <laughs> But I think that's the thing, it's making it fun for people yeah. as well. It's and connecting with the food again. Yeah. And yeah. Not, not just thinking that pasta comes out of a packet or, exactly. you know, yeah. that a chicken doesn't look like a chicken. Yeah, yeah. You know, chicken breast in a packet doesn't... What no. do you mean? This this is pasta. Mine, mine's dried when it comes out of the packet. Yeah. What do you mean? This this is flimsy. This is... Yeah. goes through a drying process. Mm. Yeah. But it, but like, you know, it's not just kids. It's, there's a lot of people, like you say, a lot of uh, single men who perhaps, you know, don't have any, any influences that, that can go... And I'm not saying that men can't cook, because there's a lot of very good male chefs out there, but, you know, if you're on your own, you're just going for ease and convenience, and you're perhaps not thinking about what you're putting in your body and what you're eating and that type of thing. So how would, how would you get guys in the kitchen cooking? How would you engage them to, you know, not necessarily single guys, but just men who don't yeah. cook? I think that, like... Um, from, again, looking throughout my studies and things, um, you know, men seem to like competition men seem to like to be in groups and do things that you know a bit little bit healthy competition so i think again you've got to make it more of a fun environment so you know historically men used to go to the pub and do things there together well perhaps we don't want everybody in the pub together now because you know that might not be the the answer to everything but you know trying to engage men in something that's not really structured as such um you know not sort of standing behind a desk being told things but you know involving lots of people it's a difficult one really isn't it because I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't really know how you'd get men in the kitchen cooking. Because, like I say, you can sit here and say this is this is what you need to do. But how do you get them in the kitchen? Well, I think you know. I think actually, right with the competition kind of thing, because Stu will send um, a lot of pictures of him by pretty much every meal that you send on the WhatsApp group within the football group. Um, and uh, I've described it now as food porn because it looks uh, yeah, very, yeah. very very good. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes yeah. it's a little rubbish, but <laughs> yeah. it tastes great. Yeah. <laughs> but. And it, but it is that kind of like, oh, I, re I really want to make that. 
I really want to challenge myself and make that. Um, and it is, it, I think the company, the healthy competition, as yeah. it were, um, could maybe because obviously you're trying to do it your way, it might not work out your way, but at least you're attempting it. And, it's, and when you've done it, it's like, do you know, that wasn't actually that hard. No, to but do. don't you find though as well is if you've t if you've actually taken the time and the effort to do something, it might look a bit not exactly like the recipe picture but because you've made it yourself there's that sense of satisfaction that you've done it and it's like oh that's really nice and men, men, men want that perfection as well yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll do it again to try and yeah, you know, get, yeah. get that right yeah that's it yeah i love to uh, i love to cook for a family like that yeah. i mean i've got like a massive paella pan and i love to cook a paella yeah from uh, all the seafood in there and it looks great and then when eat, people eat i'm like spoil it now <laughs> it looks amazing in the pan <laughs> yeah it's definitely it is a difficult one to try and engage men. And you know, I don't know whether a referral scheme, particularly many were, who were obese, a referral scheme from a doctor to a cooking class or something like that, you know, to get men actually cooking I think, I think it's got, you know, Man Factor do, do an absolutely fabulous job of, of what they're doing, you know, because there are lots of services out there that are not, not for women, but are perhaps more targeted towards women and that type of thing that men perhaps wouldn't, you know, engage with so but I think from the doctor's point of view it might be difficult to have sort of a service from you know a, the government's point of view sort of thing but I do think that you know a, along with the man they fat uh, you, you're doing the football I think if there is perhaps a you know a nutrition side of things that could go hand in hand that people could do that people could come along to you know classes or it'd whatever be, it'd be great to have a unit with with you know, ten stations in it, and, yeah, and somebody just like a little social. Yeah. You know, have a little social sort of. Have, have, uh, you know, do make things, just do, do whatever, have a laugh at the end of it, and then and then make it a competition. Make it like MasterChef. You know, yeah. this is a competition. This is your recipe. These are your ingredients. We're we're gonna judge you at the end. Yeah. The winner gets whatever. I think that'd be a fantastic idea. And do you know what? I I'd think love that. I think you would engage men doing that. I really do. I really do. Uh, it's just like you say it's it's the stigma of getting in the kitchen and cooking particularly when you when you're single I think yeah um, but I think as well if it was more driven if it was just you know targeted at men and there wasn't that sort of you know that, that you could essentially do what you wanted to do there and that there wasn't women sort of uh, telling you what to do or saying you don't do it like this you do it like that sort of thing you know if men could do what they wanted to do in the, in the kitchen have fun enjoy themselves go outside make it a bit of a social I think it's there because I mean it's obviously cooking is obviously you know people certain people love to cook you only got to look at Bake Off or like say MasterChef any of these cooking programs um, that people love to watch people cook and, and create something it's just getting them in the kitchen and doing that. Yeah, I think lots of people aspire to, to do. I think the, the, one of the hardest things is is that, you know, you watch all these programmes and certainly the likes of MasterChef, you know, they're really out there, aren't they? Some of the things that they're cooking. And whilst they do look really nice, you know, you maybe sort of say to yourself, well, is it is it realistic to cook some of the things that they're cooking? But then, you know, the, the, some of the other programmes are, that are perhaps a bit, you, they do like the family shows now where they're, you know more achievable and and you know like all the celebrity chefs that are doing things out there i mean jamie oliver is champions so much yeah, yeah. he's he is he is amazing he, he is fantastic I mean, you love him don't you Steve? i love jamie oliver and do you yeah, know what so I, I have to confess that i wasn't keen on him when he first came on the scene i wasn't i thought he was a bit of an idiot but the older he's got and the older i've got i absolutely love him yeah the best cookbook i own is he's quick and easy yeah it's the best cookbook i've ever had because nothing sets more than 30 minutes 
the ingredients are handy, the shortcuts. That's it, that's it. But they'd be say, I, I even think that he's perhaps missing a trick with some of the things that he does because perhaps some of the ingredients are maybe a little bit obscure. Yeah. So, you know, it's not something that your regular person is, is perhaps going to have. You know, people look at fennel and think, well, yeah. what is it? Do I even know what to do with it? Do I even like it? What do so, you do with fennel? What do you do? What do you do with fennel? Because do I, you like fennel? Are you into fennel? Do yes, you? yes, I love wow. fennel. Nice, some nice fish with fennel. Oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not a fan because no. the aniseed taste, I'm not, I'm not I've tried, I've done it in a risotto, like a lemon and fennel risotto, which... Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> But it, um, it's the aniseedy flavour I'm not really a fan of. But I don't mind fennel seeds in a good curry. That's uh, That works for me. But yeah, I suppose you, yeah, you are right. Some of the ingredients are slightly uh, obscure. Um, but I think the thing is you can always replace them with something that you can get. And I suppose a in a way it's, it's challenging you to do things a bit beyond yeah. what you would normally have. Yeah. I know I did a, a baked uh, Italian rice dish that was oh. in one of these cookbooks. And they were... It, it, it was um, like a cured kind of salami ham thing, mm. and the one that was in the cupboard, I was like, I cannot order that. I'm gonna have to go through a farm shop, <laughs> like a really specialist. Yeah. So I just, I just got some um, salami, just regular yeah. salami, and yeah. used that, and it, was, it still tasted great. Yeah. I tell you where it does great salamis and cooked meats all day, all day long. Do not get me started now, Aldi. I thought I've got man crush on Aldi. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I love Aldi. I love, I love Aldi. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm a fan of Aldi. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're, uh, they're salamis and that type of thing and the parma hams. Yeah. I, I, we, uh, we, uh, I eat a little bit of chorizo. Try not to eat loads because it's not the healthiest, but the chorizo I get from Aldi is really nice. But you know what to do with that as well? Rather than put it in something, if you just cut it really, really small into like really little bite size and then fry it off so it's really crispy and then just sprinkle it on top. So you're still getting the flavour, you're still getting the yeah. taste, but not perhaps so much. Not so so if oil, you were yeah. to put it in like a, you know, a paella or a, um, a risotto or that type of thing, or even in, in a casserole, rather than having to use so much of it if you just sprinkle it on top so when you put it in your mouth you still get you it as a season, seasoning yeah 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 it's a really good idea yeah i think going back to the um like when you say you get men in the kitchen the one thing that really t it turns me off about the kitchen is it's all good, well and good cooking it but it's the dishes at the oh, end of it do you know yeah. what i mean it's like with jay miller but he might be doing these things with a few minute meals yeah. But he's got the food processor, you need to clean out and all that thing. Yeah. He's just shaking his head, so... No, because, because <laughs> okay. you're not doing it right, right? The first thing you do when I go to cook, first thing I do before I do anything, is, is fill the sink with, with hot water and wash it up with cream. And then, you, and then you clean as you go. You use that pan. If it's a, you know, most pans are not stick. You put it in a wash, give it a wash. And then away See, you now go. I, I adopt another approach. It's like, right, how... How little pans can I use to create this dish? How little well. washing up can I create yeah. to, to do this? And I'll very often just use one pan and I'll just like transfer it almost to the serving bottles and then put it back sort of thing. So I'm still using the same thing. So, yeah. so it's yeah. not just the food shop what you're doing, it's actually the, the, the crockery side and the washing up side. Yeah. See, this, is, this is it, the whole package is preparation together. Room. It is. It oh, is. Preparation, that, that's the key to everything really. Good preparation, making sure yeah. that you're ready before. If you do your prep before you start, then, then that's half the yeah. battle really. If you write a cookbook saying the minimal wash up cookbook, you'd be like, I'm all over that. One pan, yeah. one pan cookbook. One pan, well, one yeah. I've seen one pan cookbook and you just use one pan and you've got yourself a meal. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way yeah. forward, no washing up. Yeah, no washing up. <laughs> That's how to get men in the kitchen wrong. Paper plates. 
pay for flight. I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. When I used to live with Spencer, I'll give a shout out to Spencer, I don't think he probably listens, but yeah, we used to live, it was like um, maybe behaving badly. We used to lease it. It was probably before I really learned how to cook, so we used to be off paper plates all the time. Well, they didn't have to wash up, I yeah. suppose. The kitchen was immaculate, because it was immaculate, he'd let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, um, we, we, we are big advocates of meal prep. Mm. Um, I meal prep pretty much all my lunches through the week. Uh, you meal prep lunches and teas and freezing, don't you, Ron? I do. If, if someone was to come and say, give me four dishes that I could meal prep throughout the week, what would you say are, are the best things? Well, I suppose it's it's, based, it's it's individual, isn't it? It's what people like. I mean, recently I had um, some uh, 5% steak mints, which are then, you know, cut... I bulked it out with lentils um, rather than just using the, the meat and then you know just made the traditional the spag bowl the chili the shepherd's pie that type of thing just the basics and just putting it up because uh, then again that's one one it's essentially one meal because the basis is, is the same but you're doing it over um, I know a lot of people tend to do it sort of if they're working Monday to Friday they'll cook on a Sunday and, and, and plan for the week that type of thing but um, you know but it goes back to your shopping as well even before you do your prep make sure that when you go shopping that you don't go shopping hungry because there's nothing worse than walking around a supermarket when you're hungry because then you're making you're picking up things that you perhaps wouldn't ordinarily picking up things that you won't even make it to the car yeah like like ginster pies and things like that yeah ginster buffet bars (laughs) sometimes you have to have a ginster though don't you Ron just sometimes you do you have to remind yourself how bad the food (laughs) tastes not to go back there yeah but um, but th- so don't go shopping hungry, and then and then you know if you can get into the habit of just putting some sort of list together, even if it's, you know what I tend to do is I'll almost write the meal plan out for the week. So and when I do it, I'll do it based on uh, I always try and have a veggie day. So I always try and have a meat-free day. They, they, they sort of advocate this meat-free Monday, and I always try and do a meat-free Monday. But then I, like my menu will just say, uh, Tuesday chicken, Wednesday pork, Thursday this, Friday fish. And then you sort of go, well, what am I going to put with that chicken, and what am I going to put with that beef? And then and do your list from there. And if you can, Because then if you go shopping, you're not buying all the things that you don't need. So there's not going to be any there should be minimal waste you know if you've only shopped for what you need for that week then there'll be minimal waste and then it just makes life easier in the in the long run sort of thing but and and you know and doing things again if you're looking through cookbooks or you've just watched MasterChef and you think oh I'm going to cook that meal that took seven hours to prepare 16 hour slow roast mm, maybe that's not feasible for a, a Wednesday night tea sort of thing but no, no I let other people you know I go out when, you, when, when someone says you've got to let us yeah. brine for 24 hours and then let it let it slow roast another 24 hours. I'll, yeah. just, I'll just go on to yeah. Red Street Barbecue. <laughs> I eat that. I won't. I won't do that at home. <laughs> no, I think it's not. It's just not practical is it? to 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 cook and eat and eat like that as well. Uh, quick and easy is the way. Preparation is it, again. It's you know it's the key to everything. If you're prepared, because there's nothing worse as well when you're looking in the cupboard for inspiration and there's nothing in, and that's when you might be tempted to pick up the phone and sort of ordering because you haven't got anything in. But if you've got the staples in, you know, if you've always got sort of um, a basic protein source, a basic carbohydrate source, and then some fresh fruit and veg in, you, you can always you can always throw something together with them. You know, so if, if your freezer has got 
chicken breasts in and, and uh, perhaps steaks and that type of thing, fish, you know, if you've got your basic protein sources and you can always make something, have a really good spice rack as well, mm. throw loads of spice in everything. You've mentioned that before on different podcasts, yeah. you can always have a, 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 an array of spices. Oh yeah, 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 you should always have an array of spices because as well, you know, healthy foods, um, I don't want to say it could be bland because obviously you're not using your spices right, but a lot of people would cook it bland. I wouldn't because I, I know how to spice food. Mm. Um, but yeah, but if, you're, if you're perhaps cutting down on fat or, or saturated fat, fat, sugar and salt is ultimately where your flavour is. So if you're reducing those things, you're, you're potentially reducing the flavour. So you've got to sort of change it for something else to give it to give it more flavour. I'm a big fan of spice or all but not when you talk about spice it doesn't have to be heat. It doesn't need yeah. to you know a lot of people think oh well if it's, I'm not gonna like it because it's spicy. It's not a case of heat and blow your head off hot chili. It's just having those flavours. Smoked paprika. Turmeric things like that. Yeah turmeric all very good anti-inflammatory. That's yeah. what I like about spices. I'll always try and learn something about yeah. spices. Yeah yeah so I know that that's what it's doing as a as a either antioxidant or nutrient in the body. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of turmeric. Uh, uh, sorry, paprika. I use a lot of paprika. Yeah. Um, I would say smoked paprika is, is my spice of the month. Everything's yeah. smoked that's paprika. The hot, that's the hot spice. Yeah, yeah. So what's so what's the hot meal? What are you cook? What are you cooking at the moment? What am what I cooking trying? at the minute? Um, recently, um, my work commitments have changed. So I've been doing a lot of slow cooker stuff. So in the morning before I go out to work, I literally I don't even I don't braise nothing. I just literally throw things in in the slow cooker. So earlier on in the week, I did. Uh, a beef and chorizo uh, goulash type thing that was spot on so by the time I come home at the night it just fell apart with some wholemeal brown rice I put a bit of um, peas and sweet corn through the rice as well to bulk up the rice. Stop, <laughs> stop it, stop it. Have you had any breakfast wrong? Listen I've gone through one week of camp food so it's been it's been nice but it's not been that nice. Yeah, yeah. So do you find yourself um, following trends and, 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 and stuff like that, you find yourself... I'm obsessed with Korean food. Oh, gochujang Ditto. paste, oh, just yeah. amazing. I, I really need to up my Korean game, but I am a, I am the same. Yeah. Korean food, kimchi at the moment is like... Because that's, that flavour, that, that sort of umami flavour mm. is just, you can't... Oh, that's that's the obsession this how, how do you get that flavour? How do you get that umami flavour? Because it's, it's not something that, as Westerners really, no. we use a lot. No, I think like if you think about fish sauces, soy sauce, it, it's sort of the umami is around sort of um, lightening up all the taste buds in one go, and that's what gives you that sort of umami sensation. And I think to be able to get that, it's a lot of Asian foods, a lot of spices, a lot like I say, fish sauce is a really easy one to put it in. Uh, mushrooms, tomatoes, if you if you combine those combinations, but that uh, the gochujang paste, if you haven't tried it. Go, they sell it in all the supermarkets. Go and get some gochujang paste. Fry off some some meat. Put a bit of the, the paste over it. Toss it up with some peppers. Bit of rice. Bit of noodles. Job done. Yeah. Ten minutes. Gochujang paste. It's called gochujang. How do you spell it? Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> we'll get that on the podcast. Yeah. We'll, get it, we? we'll get it. You, you have a look. We'll, we'll go and find it. We'll put it on the. Uh, we'll put it on Twitter. We'll it's find a, it. It has it said gochujang. There you go. Gochujang. Yeah. Right. That's have a look for it. It's a red, it's a red fermented and fermented foods as well. Mm. That's another thing. That's another trend that's coming over. So things like um, kimchi and sauerkraut. It's kimchi. all good for the. It's hard to get good kimchi, packet wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got really got to make it, I think, to get yeah. the best. 
but yeah, I'm, I'm a, I am exactly the same. I, I do follow quite, I do follow trends. Yeah. Uh, and and Korean at the moment is definitely my go-to. Yeah, same. And the Korean barbecue is open in Stockport, which is really? close yeah. to us, yeah. and it's amazing. Mm. It's so good. Yeah, there's a good Korean up in um, in in Birmingham that that I went to last week actually. Next level. Yeah. I know. And as well, what I've been doing is I've been putting a fried egg with my stir fry and stuff like that. Yeah, fried egg. Like, nice yeah, runny, nice, nice runny yeah. fried egg on top. Good, Roman. I'm gonna convert you to Korean food. It'd probably be easily done. It'd probably easily done. Yeah. So no, I like a, I like a lot. It's not a lot of food I don't like. Um, I do like, uh, do like a lot of food and I like trying new things as well. Yeah. Always, always like trying new things. I've always been brought up that way. So what, so, so, so Ron, what, what kind of thing you've been eating at camp then? What's, what's Ukrainian food? Oh, it's, listen, we're Healthy? We live in England, do we know? We're not eating Ukrainian food constantly. Um, are you, okay, Ukrainian food is peasant food. Um, so it's, it's sauerkraut. Uh, that we call kapusta or big bus. Good sauerkraut, good sauerkraut. Sauerkraut, sauerkraut with, yeah, with, with Polish, you know, Matson sausage. Okay. Put it in there. Got, got, beautiful. Then you've got varenki, which is a sort of almost like dumpling, which is potato and cheese um, in like a, I would say a pasta, pasta kind of shell, but it's not. It's a, um, a flour and water basically. You know, you make it into a dough and cover that and boil it up with some fried with some fried um, onions. Um, sometimes you fry it with some bacon bits as well, and then some, and then some sour cream, and then you've got your brushed, which is your beetroot soup, uh, and that is very, very full of good antioxidants and detoxing. Uh, how many courses do you have for Christmas Day dinner as a Ukrainian, a British Ukrainian? How many courses do you have? We have 12. We 12? have 12. We do. We have one for every disciple. So we have um, the first the first dish is kutia. Um, which is honey, bulgur wheat, and poppy seed. And they all represent different things. Um, the second course is the borscht, the third, uh, beetroot soup. The third course is the fish, um, so obviously represent the fishermen. And then you have bread, so obviously, you know, the, 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 the five loaves and two bread kind of thing. Um, you also have vareniki, and then holopti. Holopti is um, cabbage rolls. So cabbage rolls, a bit like the Greek. What the yeah, Greek? like the vine. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're stuck with, in Christmas you have it with mushroom and rice, it, normally you'd have it with meat, um, rice and meat, but in, in Christmas you can't eat meat. So I know we eat fish but you can't eat uh, meat. Um, and then we'll have compote, pampushke which is donuts, um, obviously sauerkraut, um, and then what else do we have? Oh we have jellied uh, studnet which is jellied, uh, no no. We don't have a jelly, jelly deal, so that's part of fish deal, fish deal as well. Fish dish as well, but you also, throughout the year, you can have study nets, which is jellied pork trotters, and pig trotters. Do you actually make any of these, or does your mum make them all? No, you leave it to the best, don't you? Your mum does it. So I want my mum to pass it on to us. Um, but the, um, yeah, the smell in the Ukrainian kitchen at Christmas, oh, I think you just should make some dishes for the guys. Yeah, we'll do it. Because they do ask a lot. Our team do ask a lot. Yeah. Tell me about these 12 crosses at Christmas. It's just magical. Once a fat guy, always a fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very interesting. Are you available to share any of these recipes with anyone? Well, I'm can, interested yeah. to uh, yeah. find out about some of them. I what? do a perfect the because sometimes people do cherry inside them and deep fry them. 
and I do want to perfect, perfect the, 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 the per get the perfect Vrenic, so yeah, that's oh. nice. Dreamlike. So let's talk about superfoods. Superfoods. Our superfoods are myth. Superfoods do not exist. Right. There is no such thing as a superfood. It's something that the media have, have built up to make you feel like you're eating something good. There are lots of foods that are full of antioxidants that are good for you. You know, we've mentioned some, the blueberry, turmeric, that type of thing. But, but superfoods, it, it's, I think it's a term that we need to get away from because, again, if people think about superfoods, they think, well, that's what I've got to eat to, to be healthy um, and for it to be nutritious and that type of thing and there's a temptation that perhaps people might sort of focus on that too much and then you know again it's all about balance isn't it but uh, I don't like the word superfood at all. This pizza is healthy because it's got spinach on it. Yeah there you well, go. no you've got cheese, <laughs> bread. Yeah this blueberry muffin. Yeah. Yeah. Superfood, but it's yeah. got chia seeds on it as well, so yeah. you know it's oh, cool. <laughs> and, and organic honey. It's and just a way to sell go. something as healthy that maybe is itself. Yeah, that's it. And I, and I think again, this is where we um, need to look at what we're eating. It again, I keep going back to it, but I can't you know I can't emphasize. If you look at a packet, there's nothing that frustrates me more than when you see a packet of something and it'll say uh, full of calcium, high in calcium, good for your bones and this something. But then if you look at the ingredients, it's also full of sugar, full of fat, full of additives preservatives that type of thing and you go well yeah it might have calcium in it but what else has it got in it but again people you know the consumers are looking and go, this must be good for me because it's full of calcium how, how would you identify if you're doing your shop and maybe you're not massively savvy on, on, on what is healthy and what is how would you what's the best way to identify something I would say I would say look at the look at the packet look at the ingredients if you can't read the ingredients you don't know what it says then you possibly shouldn't be eating it and that that's about, and if there's a huge long list of ingredients again you probably shouldn't be you know it may be something you should stay clear of the shorter the ingredient list you can read what's in the, ing the ingredients then you know generally that's probably the, the what to look at when you when you're looking at things you know looking at I know um, you know everybody's on about sugar now but sugar is such a complex thing to understand and to get your head around and I think that it even you know i've been i've been sort of doing nutrition for a couple of years now and even i struggle to to get my head around sort of you know when you're looking at the carbohydrates and then looking at the sugars and you go well is that natural sugar is it added sugar sort of you know what is it so i think just just being mindful of what you're eating look at what you're eating look at what you're going to look at what you're about to buy and and like i said my rule of thumb is if i can't read what's on the back of that packet i'm not eating it if I don't know what it is, I'm not eating it. Yeah. Or eat stuff that has no list, like a carrot. Yeah. It That's one way of looking at it. Mm. If it has no list, eat it. There you go. Well done, Stu. Yeah. I like that. That's true. That's the only one who's reading a carrot. Yeah. Carrot. Yeah. I think that pretty much wraps us up. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. So, we can check out your stuff. We'll give you a follow on Instagram. Um, the website yourworldmykitchen.com yeah uh, you're on Instagram I'm same on Insta name yeah Facebook yeah same, same name, name so post recipes and the pictures are on there yeah post recipes pictures I'm on the Man V Fat website as well so you can have a look on there if you can't yeah, find me check out your Instagram just before we got here and the thing that hit me was just the colour yeah across the board 
yeah. which is always a good thing. I think I think my, my final sort of thing would be is to eat a rainbow. If you eat a rainbow every day, you're generally getting all the nutrients that you need, and that'd be good. Last thing, what is your go-to healthy meal when you're feeling as though maybe you've not been as healthy? What do you cook? Asian food. Asian food. Yeah, all day long. Asian food, noodles, rice. I use everything wholemeal, but wholemeal rice, noodles, again wholemeal, and loads of veg. Just fry it up really quick. Um, I also walked around the supermarket the other day looking for something to snack on because I hadn't got nothing. I just brought a punnet of tomatoes and I just sat and ate a punnet of tomatoes and things. Rather, and, and some people say, well, it's £1.50 for that punnet of tomatoes. Well, you pay £1.50 for a sausage roll. you know. Or again, if um, you know, just, just protein, looking at... I'll buy chicken or ham or some good ham though, not the really processed stuff, proper. Not the wet, the wet not, stuff. Not the stuff that's, you know, not really ham, but, you know, looking at those types of things. And what this question was really about, what's your unhealthy meal, what do you love that you think, maybe not healthy, but I'll treat myself? Oh, a real, real dirty burger. Yeah. yeah. Everybody says burger, don't they? Yeah. So good. good. Yeah. With a nice brioche bun, that's yeah. the real. And I am working on it, believe me, I am working on <laughs> trying to make it a bit I healthier. I can't wait to do it, because burgers have got a new trend, they've got a new identity now, haven't they? Yeah. 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 Everyone's now focusing on Burgers are always cheap and cheerful, and now they're not. Yeah. Now they're like no. pimped out, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And and so that that's the, um, that's the challenge the for challenge me at the is, minute, yeah. Right. We'll look out for that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. absolutely try and get the healthiest burger possible mm. right that wraps us up thank you very much for coming down yeah um, do you know i think we'll probably come again yeah I give it a so. few episodes and, and as, as things develop we'll, uh, we'll come and have a chat yeah yeah sounds good we'll have, to, we'll have to walk around the farmer's market next time won't we yeah, the podcast. yeah there's a good one over in mosley that's good. not a bad idea yeah. actually walk around yeah. and we'll talk about certain ingredients and stuff like that and go a bit more into depth into the recipes and stuff yeah yeah sounds good thanks for meeting us today yeah it's been a pleasure Thank thanks you. for having me <laughs> oh i'm hungry now you're always hungry Rob. true so that was our podcast with nadine uh, i think that went pretty well ram I think so. Currently on the way back to drop you off in Derby. Yeah, back to my Ukrainian camp. Back to Ukrainian camp, then I'll be heading back up to Manchester. Uh, got a 40th, sister's 40th tonight. Oh, so, quite good, it's a barbecue. Make the right choices. Yes. Drink some uh, gin and slim, 50, 52 calories of pop, rather than beer. So you're prepping already before you're at your Prepping exit, already. So. 10 gins in, I don't, <laughs> I don't know whether that'll continue, <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, that was a really good chat with Nadine. Uh, we'll definitely get her on again and talk a little bit more in depth. Uh, we want to just maybe do a little thing about ingredients and certain vegetables and, and meats and, and you know how they're good for you and what they do for you and what's what's in them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, did, I, did, I did like your comment. If it hasn't got a list, of you, that's good. That's that is. Yeah. There's no, there's no ingredients in vegetables. There's vegetables are vegetables. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good. So yeah, that was great. Uh, we will be back with episode 10. We will be. Uh, we are going to focus a bit more on the football. We'll, we need to have a little think about who we're going to get on. I'm thinking maybe we should get some uh, league winning captains. So right. we'll get a few captains on, talk about how you'd win the league, how they've been successful with Manby Fat Football. Uh, maybe some couple of guys from Salford, a couple of guys from Manchester, Oldham, local to us. I like think so. Coming down all the way to Birmingham again. Sounds like a good show. 
so yeah stay tuned uh, you can follow us on twitter at manvfatpod mvfpod uh, you can email us at podcast at manvfat.com if you want to you know i want us to cover any aspects of manvfat if you want us to talk to you if you want to talk to anybody you know yeah. in touch if you've heard something on the podcast that you want to know more about more in depth let us know we can then contact the people we've interviewed um, and get them back on yeah definitely I think we'll definitely be working with Nadine again oh I hope so I'm thinking maybe a little uh, a little broadcast maybe a recipe walkthrough something like that I th- yeah let's do that we'll speak to Shian get some backing so thank you for listening guys and uh, we'll be back with episode 10 soon <laughs>